Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. This brings me to God. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice. We shall be glad in it for joining us for our time to study of the Word of God. Here we study the Bible and uh, we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. We completed the Old Testament. If you have not been able to listen to the podcast we did uh, straight from the book of Genesis, you can always find them on all podcast platforms that we have, Apple, uh, Podbean, Google Podcast, you name it, you'll find us there. And I believe that even as you listen, the Lord shall indeed speak to you. Because like we already say, there's no limitation to the revelation of the word of God. God will reveal his word to everybody, even you who's listening to me today. God can reveal his word to you. You just have to open your heart and tell him, Lord, speak to me. And it's amazing how God can speak to us even uh, when we do not expect it. In the simplest of ways, God can speak to you. In the ways you least expect, God can speak to you. He can speak to you in a dream. He can speak to you through somebody. He can bring the message in your heart. Because remember, the Holy Spirit is with us. In us. So there's that small, still voice that speaks to you. Ask God. And he will reveal word to you. He will reveal his word to you. He will give you that which you've been uh, seeking for. So there's no limitation to the revelation of God. Even for you who is saying to me today, God can reveal his word to you. It's not just through the pastor. It's not just through the prophet. It's not just through the leader. Even you, that gift of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, what great gift we have that we can be able to approach on the throne room, that we can be able to access that which God wants to speak uh, to us and through us. We are handling the book of Matthew, and uh, we are on chapter 11. Uh, today I'll start from verse 20 of chapter 11, and I believe we shall conclude chapter 11 today in our study. Uh, we left off last time, having discussed um, Jesus and his disciples and how he goes ahead and uh, gives instructions to them and after departs to teach and preach in their cities. We talked about that, that Jesus went ahead to preach and teach in the cities of the disciples. And that's, that was a very interesting uh, thing or highlight of that because he had interest in where they come from. He had interest in where the disciples come from. And uh, that's one thing that a leader needs to have. You know where your disciples come from. You know where your, the apostles come from. Jesus makes it a point uh, to know that. And he goes and preaches in their cities. It's like, okay, Judas, I want to see where you come from. Take me to your home. Of course, the teaching and preaching that Jesus did not stop there, but they could probably be even a visit to your home. Yeah, and that's a good thing for a leader to know where his people come from and you visit them. That's the good shepherd 
that you get out there and know the detail of somebody. Who is your mother? Who is your father? Who is your wife? Who are your children? How is your home? Yeah, Where do you stay? But these days you can have people in leadership and you just do not know where your, your fellow leaders stay. You just don't know where your pastoral team stays. You don't know where the people you lead stay. Being part and parcel of leadership and being a shepherd, a good shepherd, you will know about uh, your sheep and where they stay and how they eat. There is deep interest. And at least here, Jesus brought it out that he went out to their cities. He taught, he preached, but also it's just probable that he did visit and knew about them. We saw the case of Peter that uh, sometimes he would go there and rest. We saw the case where uh, in law of Peter's uh, having fever and Jesus heals. But that's all uh, to show you that he would as well visit their homes and visit their cities. That's a lesson for us. It's not just about the flock. It's not just about having the big group of leaders know where they come from. Visit them. Know how they are. Know what they eat. Yeah? It's very, very important. And not just for the leaders, but also the flock. That's the big duty of a shepherd. If you decide to be a shepherd, decide to take on pastoral work, you have to be uh, ready for the demand. And the demand might be that you push an extra effort to know such details about the people that you lead. Verse 20 starts by saying, Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Jesus went out to preach. Jesus went out and healed the sick. Jesus went out and did great things in different places. And people would see them and get wowed. But it's like getting wowed was all they did. They would not push an extra effort of saying, okay, from what we have seen, let us have a transformation of life. From what we've seen this man do, let us repent and take on a different journey of life. From what I've seen this man do, let me stop being adulterous. From the miracles I've witnessed, let me stop being a liar, a thief. Let me stop being a manipulative person. From the things I've seen Jesus do, let me stop living an evil life. In the cities, some of the cities that we're going to talk about here, where Jesus went, he did great things. They saw it, but then they remained untouched. As far as change of life is concerned, repentance here implies that you live the old life. And you take on a new life. It implies that you switch from the old. If you've been headed this direction and they say repent, it means you turn and head the other direction. You totally change. Now, miracles and signs and wonders and everything that Jesus had done and the time that he had given them and all that he had uh, professed and shown them that, hey, guys, the kingdom of heaven is here. The lamb are walking. The deaf can hear. The blind can see. The dead are raised. He did all that in those cities. They witnessed it. They saw it, but they did not repent. It's very possible for you to be in a place, in a church, and you're witnessing great things and miracles that are done in your midst, 
but your life is hell. It is very possible to be in a place, a church, a ministry, and great things are being done by the power of the Holy Spirit, but you're not changed. And in the place where the lame walk is where you have the biggest of thieves. In the place where the deaf can hear is where you have adultery at its peak. Because it's possible for people to see all that great that the work of God is doing in a place and still refuse to change. And that's very bad. I always call that immunity to the gospel. When people see the great things, when people hear the word of God, when people are witnessing marvelous revivals, but their lives are not changed because they are used to it. They are immune to the gospel. It does not influence them anymore. They will shout, they will clap, they will pray, they will worship, they will cry, they will do everything. But then after that is done, it's like they've not been touched. They still go out and live the same old life, a life that has no repentance. And now Jesus here says, I'm going to denounce these cities. I took time and went there. I traveled long and visited them. I braved the weather. I braved the Pharisees and the Sadducees and everyone who was criticizing me. And I went to these people and I preached to them. But they did not repent. I went to these people and great miracles were done. And they praised and they worshipped and they said all these things about God. But just after that, they went back into their old life. It is key for me as a believer to know that the moment something great has happened in my life and I've received this salvation and I've received uh, this great witness of God in my life, that I have to truly transform. I cannot remain the same. Because if I remain the same, then I'm going to be denounced. And that's what Jesus does for these cities. He denounces them. When I refuse to transform, when I refuse to repent, then I'm exposing myself to judgment. What does the judgment say here? What does Christ say in denouncing? He says, war to you, Chorazin. What to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He's giving us examples here now. Chorazin, Bethsaida. I spent time and came to you, but you did not change. If that little that was witnessed in your land was witnessed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have transformed. You know, there are some things that are so great that we receive and we do not see the value that they carry. Yet there are other people who say, if I just got a bit of that, my life would be changed. That's the same thing here with Bethsaida Chorazin. They did not they, they witness all this, but they did not take it of value that which Christ was doing. And Ty and Sidon was longing for it and didn't get it. And he goes on and says, Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. It will be more tolerable for those who did not receive the gospel than you who received it and even saw 
the miracles, the great signs and wonders. And that's what he's saying, that for them, they did not see it, but judgment to them will be terrible. Tyre and Sidon had great evil that was working in their midst. But now this implies if they, it will be more tolerable for them. It implies that which was happening in Chorazin and Bethsaida was worse. In places where the gospel has been preached, it's so, so, so disheartening that that is where you can find the greatest of evil. In a, a church, a church setting, that there where you see people being transformed, people come in and they're transformed every Sunday. But right there, is a place of evil where people now do the worst of things. And this is the same case with Bethsaida, with Chorazin. And he goes on and says, And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Now, it is very interesting when you're always compared to Sodom. We know about Sodom. We know about what Sodom did. We know about the affairs of Sodom. We know about uh, the history of Sodom and Gomorrah. We know about the destruction that happened in these cities when we read in the Old Testament. We know that these were centers of evil, most specifically homosexuality being brought out as key in the land of Sodom. The angels who even go there, they want, the, the people of Sodom, the men of Sodom, wanted to have affair with them. That is how evil it had gotten, that even with angels, they wanted to do that. Now, with such level of impurity and evil that Sodom had, Jesus brings Capernaum and says, If Sodom, the one that you all refer to, yeah, the one that, that he... Uh, fire fell upon and it was burnt to the ground. The one that you read in your history books, if Sodom had just witnessed a bit of this which you have witnessed Capernaum, Sodom would have remained to this day. This shows us that the evil that has gone on in the world today is at a high level, even that which exceeds the nation that was burnt to the ground by God for evil. There is so much evil in the world today. There is so much evil everywhere. And it's, it's, it's so, so bad. But I think the grace of God has just kept us. If God was to come right now, today, I don't know in which country you're listening or where, which part of the world you're listening, and you look at you, your nation and you look at the life of the nation and you look at the gods that the nations worship and you look at the altars that nations are sacrificing to and you look at the habits these days of homosexuality being just casual and everything that Sodom did and did not do and all things extra from Sodom and what Sodom did, it would just be befitting that we are burned to the ground. But the grace of God has held us and we should not count that slack that the grace has been there because it's just a matter of time. And God gives us an opportunity to say, change, transform. Why do you remain like that? Transform, transform, take on a new identity, take on a new life that you may be saved. And it is Stales Capernaum here. Sodom would remain to this day if they had seen the miracles you've seen. Nevertheless, I say to you, 
that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. That shows that Capernaum was on a high level of evil, even greater than Sodom. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Infants here does not imply two-year-olds or one-year-old or month-year or what. No. When he's speaking to, speaking about his followers, his disciples, he regards them as infants because they are children yeah, in the Lord and they are children to him. And uh, these people that he got did not have huge CVs. They were not lawyers. They were not doctors. They were not uh, software engineers. No. The people that he got were fishermen. He got people who were not regarded as anything in society. Thieves, tax collectors. Those are the people that Jesus got. And they might not have been considered to be wise or intelligent. But they had revelation. And he's praising the Father saying, you have hidden these things from the intelligent. You've hidden this from the lawyers. You've hidden this from the engineers of the land in Israel at that time. Because when they see the gospel being preached, they don't understand. When they hear the words I'm saying, they do not understand them. And that's one thing that's so common of uh, the people who are regarded as intelligent or those who have studied much or those who, have, who consider to be the greatest in society. They take the things of God for nothing. They don't regard the word of God. They look and they say, okay, what are they talking about? Uh, what are they praying about? Why are they shouting for us? Yeah, they, they are just poor. They are broke. You hear people always saying, okay, if, if, if your God is so great, why are you struggling? Why don't you have money? Yeah. And you need to understand that God is out there to use people who are willing to work. He can use the one without money, but it's not just about the money in this world. Yes, it's good, but you can still go out and preach even if you do not have the money. And those are the words that the world uses now. Those who who think they are intelligent and wise, that uh, these people who are out preaching on the street instead of making money. How come that the God they serve does not give them a, a, a car and they are now on walking barefoot coming to preach to us? Do they know who they are preaching to? And they preach you and you just raise your, your car uh, window and you don't want to hear, you don't want to listen because they do not look like they are wise enough. All intelligent enough, or the God that they are preaching to you does not make sense to you because they seem to be in a state that is less than the God of greatness that they are preaching to you. But Jesus here says, the wise and intelligent, there is something that has been hidden from them. There is something that has been hidden from them which these infants can see. There is something that has been hidden from the great people of the world which those that they regard of a lower level can witness and see. And that's what is amazing about the gospel of Christ. Because for it, it elevates, it takes you at a higher level, beyond that level of education, beyond that level of success. And you're placed there, and you walk in spiritual authority, that somebody who, has, who is regarded the wisest and intelligent in the land does not match. Reason is Christ. Reason 
is Christ. How much more if the wise and intelligent believes in Christ? Because we see them. Eventually they come and they accept Christ. And the wise and intelligent, how much more will you do for God? But even still, it's not about your wisdom and intelligence. It's about the Spirit of God and the willingness to work. And it says, to these he has revealed these infants, these who are not regarded as important in society, these 12, these 70 that he walks with, that do not have cars and are barefoot, they know the precepts of the kingdom of God. They know the secret of the kingdom of God. They know the depth of the kingdom of God. And that's what I long for, to know the depth of the kingdom of God, that you can be able to discern, you can be able to get into the spiritual world and win battles and, and fight battles and overcome and, and do the great things that the rest do not understand. And he says, yes, Father, for this way was pleasing in your sight. It's like, okay, this is what you're pleased to do, that you reveal to them. And he comes and says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And, I, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Let's get this correct. All things have been handed to me by my Father. This is what Jesus is saying. Reference to Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. And Jesus came to them and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Jesus says, as far as earth business is concerned, and heavens, in reference to Matthew 28, all is in my authority. All has been given to me. The Father has given the Son all things, all authority, all land, all water, all animals, all people, everything in the heavens, or in the spiritual world, in the heavenlies, all belong to Christ. There is nothing that you own. Even that land you own is not yours. It belongs to him because it has been given to him. Let's take it in a literal sense that way. But then he goes and says, no one knows the son except the father. Knowing is a deeper uh, state that we're talking about here. And he goes on and says, nor does anyone know the father except the son. You do not know about the father except me, as he speaks Jesus. And the one who will know the Father is that who the Son wills to reveal him. To know about God is by the revelation through Christ. The only way you can know about God is through Christ. So you cannot know one and you do not know the other. There are all sorts of beliefs and belief systems about uh, the people and uh, the 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 nations that for them they believe in God but they do not believe in Jesus that is a lie you cannot know God when you do not know Jesus because it is Jesus who wills to reveal God to you so there is one way it is through Christ you cannot have paths uh, shortcuts there you have to go through Christ to know the father and that is where the relationship with Christ is key that is where the relationship with Christ is important. 
that you do not play around with it. Take your relationship with him. And now for him, he even makes it, he says, I, I have left you with the Holy Spirit who will be your helper. He will help you to know and understand and remember the things I've taught you. Now Christ also leaves you with the helper, the Holy Spirit, who is just within you. He's the one who tells you. And when he's speaking, he's speaking in position of Christ and because he's the helper, he has left us. So how do you know Christ? You've got to listen to that still small voice. You've got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit in you that you will know Christ and through him you will get the revelation of God in your life. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We say that a lot. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, all you who are troubled. I'll give you rest. Come to me, all you who are sick, because these are the things that make us weary and heavy laden. Sickness. Yeah? Trouble in relationships. They make us weary and heavy laden. Hopelessness. You've been fired at work. Makes you weary and heavy laden. You do not have uh, the, the, the partner in your life that you're seeking for. And you're weary and heavy laden. You do not have things moving for you. Poverty is at your door. And you're weary and heavy laden. He says, come to me. Come to me, you who are poor. Come to me, you who are in trouble with relations. Come to me, you who is facing a divorce. Come to me, you who has been fired from work. Come to me, you who is suffering from cancer. Come to me, you who is suffering from a mental health issue. And I'll give you rest. It is one man. It is that man, Jesus, that we read of, who has ever called people who are suffering and said, come to me, all of you who have burdens. I have not read anybody else who has called on two people who are suffering. Because sometimes we don't want to associate with people who are suffering. We want only those who are having a peaceful life because you're trying to look at all the expenses you have to incur because of people who are suffering. It's just one man, Jesus, that I've read of who says, come to me all, all. He does not say some, all of you. With all your problems, he, there is only one man who welcomes people with problems. He, there is only one man who says to people with trouble and says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me and I'll give you peace with all your trouble. Your parents might not call you. Your relatives might not call you. Your friends might not call you with all your trouble. There is one man who calls all who are troubled and his name is Jesus. All who are weary and all who are heavy laden. He calls them and says, come and I'll give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When he calls you, he says, learn from me. When he calls to you, he says, 
change your life. Because when you're learning from Christ, it implies you're going to live his life. You're going to follow his commands. You're going to do the things he tells you to do. You're going to walk living under his word and doing the things as the word of God says. And he says, learn from me and do that what I tell you. Because he says, take your yoke. But he tells you that his yoke, the one that he's going to let you carry, is easy. And his burden is light. He is saying it might not be as smooth as it as you might want and hope it will be. But mine is easy and light. When Jesus is the one helping you carry your burdens, they will seem easy. Because we live troubled lives. Yes, even people who are saved, even Christians, get trouble in life. But the difference is that when you have Christ with you in that storm, it will be easier. When you have Christ with you in that sickness, it will be lighter. When you have that burden that you're carrying, even in your Christian walk, it will be lighter than when you do not have Christ. And this is a promise that you always has. You will find rest. You will be, people will look at you and say, you do not have money, but you look peaceful. It's because the, the one that you carry, the yoke, and the burden that you carry is light. And this is a beauty. Eventually, if he promises you rest, you will have it. Because his burden is light. And he calls on you today, all you who are heavy laden, all you who are sick, all you who are suffering. Today, God calls on you and says, come to me. I will give you rest. He'll give you rest. He'll give you rest. He'll give you peace. Just believe in him. Father, we thank you for your word today. We exalt you. We give you glory and honor. And hold us together for everybody out there in whatever they're going through, in whatever they've been burdening. Lord, help them and see them through. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, BibleInDepth.com.